Welcome to Your Money Story. I am Dawn Thomas, a mother of three, financial advisor by day and a PhD candidate researching the superannuation experience of Generation Z. This podcast provides a platform for stories which are underrepresented. Everyone's money story is unique. My guests are people who conduct their lives with purpose, authenticity, and are not afraid to be different. They stand out within their industries for being themselves. I hope their journeys inspire you to harness your own gifts and talents. I am a believer in living your truth each day. Let's change how the story ends. In the spirit of reconciliation, I acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. The information discussed in this podcast does not take into account your personal and financial objectives and situation. Before acting on any information discussed here, you should consider its appropriateness, having regard for your objectives, needs and financial position. As usual, third year in a row, I've got the wonderful Tim Henry here to share with us his wisdom on International Women's Day. Now, he always says that he's not the best person to be talking about this. (laughs) So he approaches this with trepidation. But um, we are all fans of you, Tim. Welcome to my podcast. Hello, Dawn. How are you going? Well, I'm glad we haven't scared you away, that you're back for a third time, uh, courageously talking about things. (laughs) Trying to. Okay, Just don't gonna, put any labels on there. You mean like don't call you a champion or an advocate or an no. ally? or? A... <laughs> well, maybe that's something we can chat about, but it it is um, something that, yeah, you can get nervous about. My listeners of this podcast, I think, will uh, are fine with you sharing your wisdom, but I understand where you're coming from, from a broader context. But before we delve into all of this, now I'm going to start this off with this question. Why should men listen to a podcast like this? Any men? Any men, men in our profession or men men that have the power to move the dial on stuff like this. Why, why should they? What's in it for them? <laughs> well, probably if we just went back to basics, let's say any men. <laughs> because I, I don't think it really matters where you turn. I mean, we could say it's about this profession or we could say it's about the community in general, or we could say it's about your situation in in a couple's relationship or whatever. You could you could sort of turn the dial in any direction. Uh, if you if you've got your ears open, I think in most of those senses, there's a large body of people, more than 50% of the population being women, saying we want better. We we have had a history where uh, where we haven't been given the, either the same opportunities or we've in fact actively had disadvantaged situations dished up to us and we're not going to put up with that anymore. So I guess that's why. I mean, you can either stick your head in the sand and say, "Well, I'm just going to stay in that the old world," and and um that's a nice safe place for me to sit and not not really look at that change but eventually it's it's going to ca- catch up to you isn't it so you either get involved in it evolve with the new world 
or and actually even proactively get out there and try and shape it or sit in a room and wait for the advancing army to come? The advancing army. <laughs> well, <laughs> army army of um it doesn't mean that there's an advancing army of women, but it's an yeah. advancing army of attitudes and and yeah. um and the environment that that we need to adapt to. Speaking then more specifically about the financial advice profession, do you do you think we are more resistant to change just generally? I mean, because we've gone through already a lot of change post Royal yeah. Commission. Looking at where we are in 2023, is is that still coming through? in terms of that resistance to change? Yeah, that's an interesting one too, isn't it? Because I think if you looked at one set of external dynamic, I guess you could mount an argument to say everyone that's involved in this industry or profession has had to deal with such a huge amount of change. Mm-hmm. So it's probably a bit harsh to say we're resistant to change. We're a bit beaten up by change I think on, so, yeah. on, on a legislative front and, and all of that. So... <laughs> Maybe the natural reaction is just to go back to your protective space and say, you know, please leave me alone for a while. But um, I think on the cultural side of things, yes, a little bit. Mm. And and it's interesting because I think that we, it's not to say that we don't, uh, you know, you could speak to any individual and that, that they may not be, we're not saying they're sexist, we're not saying that they've got, the wrong attitudes. It's just that maybe that they're a bit invested in, in the norms of the past, mm-hmm. and not really as open as they could be to maybe what's needed or what what the potential is. From my observation as a woman in advice is that as long as I've been in this profession, because okay, one of the arguments is that all the change that we've gone through, it is like you said, beaten up by change, which is very valid. Yeah. But the conversation about diversity and inclusion, fair working conditions, safe environments tend to fall towards the bottom of the priority list. Yeah, that's um, right. Yeah, so I'm very curious for you. You've gone through changes. I've gone through changes. Um, you know, everyone has. How do you manage to still find the time and the focus to give energy to this? Because nobody's you know, forcing you to do so. I think a lot of the changes that have come about have forced change in the profession, but this is something that's totally voluntary for you. Uh, well, you know, this is the funny thing. So what I, one of the things I was going to say on the last question is the, the financial planning community, if we look at the advisors in that community, um, we are predominantly male. I don't know the exact stats. Mm. Uh, how many the, males? I think about 78, 78%. Yeah. Um, and if we were to look at the age bracket on the age of the advisors, um, those on the older side of 50 would be pretty high as well, I'd imagine, wouldn't they? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I'm a male over the age of 50, um, and it is part of your life that you probably start getting a bit more looking for the easy, easier life a little bit. And so maybe, you know, you, you're not, you, you might be thinking, oh, look, um, I'm, I'm not really up for this change. But I think you, that you do get to a stage in your life, you know, when you're in your 30s and, and that sort of thing, you're trying to really make something of yourself and you've got to invest your, your time in that. You're not really feeling like 
you can impact things and you've got people more senior that you probably perceive as smarter or wiser people. We're dealing with a lot of people even in our own world who are in their 60s, 70s, 80s and 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 actually helping them manage that career decline, if you want to call it a decline, or transitioning out of their career. Mm. So I sort of, uh, from a deliberate point of view, see this is like a, a, a phase of your life, maybe in your fifth, from 50 to 60 or in your 40s and 50s, where you've got enough experience, you've got enough wisdom, <laughs> maybe you need a bit more wisdom, but... Um, and I sort of look at my own situation and say, well, it's probably I'm only less than 10 years away from being seen as um, uh, <laughs> too old to be listened to. So you're in this really narrow window where you, you could really play a, an influential role and impact a few things. So just choose to do that. I, I think your your impact will be will go on far longer than that, Tim, just looking at I think that's <laughs> For you, you feel that it's a lot to do. But we were we we recorded a podcast yesterday for AFA. Yeah. I remember how I said one of the don'ts is please don't say when is International Men's Day. Yeah. That... <laughs> and I right after that podcast recording, I got it. Okay, I got it. Someone said it. <laughs> Someone said it to me. Oh no. Yeah. So um, and this is this is the thing. Like it was someone that I'm really fond of, and I understand that it is an age bracket where changes they're not a fan of change and this sort of stuff seems really fluffy uh, their response was it's not my scene it's not it's not my scene you know I don't do stuff like this and I'm like but why and I kept on going but why and I just went I'm really disappointed in you and I just <laughs> yeah and then a few hours later they came back to me and they said oh um I'm sorry I would like I would like to attend the International Women's Day event <laughs> I promise I'll be good <laughs> Well, it's a bit like, um, remember when, did you ever ask this question when you were a kid, when um, when it was Mother's Day or Father's Day, and you'd say, when's Kids Day? Oh. Did you ever ask that? No, I think in, in Singapore, we had very clear Kids Day, so we knew when that was. It, oh. it was actually a thing. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure a lot of kids ask that. My parents used to say, every day is Kids Day. Yeah. So yeah. I think the same answer, you could trot out that same answer, every day is Men's Day. Yeah, I did. I did tell him that because I was just like, but I think he could see, like I was joking with him, but he could see I was a bit disappointed because um, we have a good relationship. And that's the thing, yeah. you can have good relationships with people, but have very divergent views on things. Yeah, um, I agree. And, and it's just that open mindset of going, you know, look, if there's mutual respect that's going between two parties, there is that potential to actually, you know, move a little bit closer to the middle rather than holding to one end so yeah because i see you as a very diplomatic person when you are navigating these conversations you know i tend to avoid them because <laughs> i get tense yeah but how do you personally when you are you're having to talk about maybe topics that people don't they're not on board for yet and you're trying to get them to a middle ground what's your approach to that tim <laughs> well i think the thing is if you do want to shape or influence, or put ideas out there that you're hoping would be embraced. Um, most things that are complex in life are not going to happen. That change is not going to happen quickly. It's going to take time. So well, I think what tends to happen with these discussions is you might get that um, comment back, which is going to 
escalate the discussion into you know tit for tat on yeah starting to everyone goes back into their bunker basically of you know well I'm going to go back to my bunker and start shooting uh, bullets about women's progress and and the other person going to go back into their bunker and say don't you know I'm not sexist I, I'm just um mm. giving my opinion uh, and it becomes unproductive so I just quite often <laughs> I think we all want to have that reaction where we're ready to type or fire off something. Mm. The one advantage of it being in a forum where you might be typing is that you can take that breath and not respond straight away mm. and try and look for the longer-term picture because I also think on this topic, and I, I here's a classic case, I did do a post recently which mm. attracted some reactions and it wasn't a surprise because I, I did actually do the post deliberately to try and poke the bear and, and yeah. get some of the males to be more open to these discussions mm. but was always going to attract some of that um, but I think you know when you particularly in that situation I sort of felt like well the last thing I want this to gravitate into or decline into is a whole lot of males having an argument about women's progress and a whole lot of women witnessing that. That's yes. just a shocking look. <laughs> and so, it, it, you know, it was like a choice to try and take that high ground and say, well, I'm going to keep <laughs> batting back with a pretty straight bat here. Mm. It was a fact-based discussion and someone's either going to tire of that or they're going to, not be able to hold back and, and they're really going to say something that maybe weakens their argument a little bit. Mm. So it's more just to play that longer longer game, I, I guess, in, in some of these discussions. Yeah. Um, one of the things I, I read, I'm not sure if I mentioned this last time, but uh, it's a book that's taken me quite a while to read. I had to read it in chunks because it's reasonably heavy. Um, a book called, have you ever heard of a book called Cast? So it's cast, C-A-S-T-E. I'm just trying to think of the the lady's, um, the author's name. But she was a uh, journalist for the New York Times and she wrote quite a, what was a controversial book in the US called Cast. But her, uh, and it was about um, racial equality yeah. and it's a fascinating book because she's what she's basically said is part of the problem with the discussions and the arguments that go on is that people are labelled <clears throat> as racists mm. and she thinks that's wrong. So she's basically saying that the system and she basically, the, the controversial part is that she's called the American racial system as a caste. Yeah. And even gone as far as to say that the Nazis modelled their plans on America so that you can see why that was, that fell well, into some controversial territory. Yeah. <laughs> but but where she actually went with it was to say it becomes so systemised that people grow up with views and, and so those views are, they're not racist in, in, in their thought the way they think. Mm. Um, so it's really that the system has created their their norms and um to unprogram that is is a long haul 
So yes. I think what can gravitate, what can happen in it when everyone gets angry is you just get labelled that person as a racist or a sexist or whatever, mm-hmm. and they just walk away and go, well, I'm not that, so that person's full of it. Yeah. And then the argument falls away. So mm-hmm. we've got to actually try and um, realise that the, this also is in that situation, isn't it? It's a systemised problem. When you're one-on-one with a person, I think there's a lot that you can connect with. You don't focus so much on the differences, I feel. Uh, but when it's like in an anonymous medium or it's uh, voting for a particular uh, political party, it becomes then very black and white, you know, for a lot of people. Yeah. But that's what's fascinating for me when it comes around to election time, that it's, it's very, people are very divided and people with, with different views can actually exist quite well together in the real world. And, and then sometimes I'll be like, yeah, but, you know, you're so decent and loving and open and compassionate on a day-to-day basis. I don't understand why that would be your argument for something yeah. as a whole. Like, that's what I, I, don't, I don't get. But have you ever read the book, uh, I think it's Daniel Kahneman, or I think it's pronounced, that Thinking Fast and Thinking Slow? But she, he's a statistician. Okay. He's just done mountains of research on how the brain works and how we think and how we react to things. It's a really good book for any financial person to read okay. too. Um, but they go, he goes through, it's, it's really simple, is that we tell ourselves stories because if we can't, if, if a problem is so complex, it has so many variations, our brain blows up and he, he's done so yep. many tests about how many variation, you know, variables the human brain can actually even process. So once it gets over, say, two or three, the brain can't really keep processing more without masses of research. So for the average person who's got to vote for a party, mm. Mm. you know, it gets to the stage where, well, I haven't got time to understand all this, so I've got to choose a view and I've yeah. got to come up with a, my own story to support that view. Yeah, Which support is, that view. And so they end up just being, it. you said black and white, because that's what it ends up being. It's, it's a simplistic view, because otherwise yeah. it's just great. Yes. <laughs> it's really interesting book on that front. Look at you, see? So well read. <laughs> <laughs> you would think that I'd, some of these books I never, I haven't finished. Like I'm a good book starter. This is why we're a fan of you, Tim. It's like you're trying to always, there's a lot of development. It just didn't, people don't understand how much work it takes to be you, it's like, you know, there's a lot of personal investment. But similarly, I think that goes with that whole argument of, you know, when we're trying to influence some of these discussions, unless someone's going to be up for learning about all, this is why I think the starting point for a lot of males and what, 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 what I did the post was yeah. is really to, to say until we you do some more listening, until we all start understanding the problems, we're just going to have that black and white view of, well, I, you know, I have a look around my general vicinity and it doesn't seem like there's too many problems. So mm. and maybe this is all over-exaggerated. But then, you know, the stats mm. don't support that. Well, even for us, though, like if you're trying to influence someone, it's probably about trying to un- also understand where their belief systems are coming from. Yes. Now, you're going to get some extreme people that you say, well, look, oh, oh, sorry, I haven't got the time to unpack where you're coming from there because you're (laughs) you're a long way away from where you should be. But um, other people are, you know, just it might be that they've just got a specific belief on something for a certain reason. 
we started off with why should someone listen to this podcast or a podcast like this on International yeah. Women's Day as a man. You lean a lot on the reporting from Financy with the Women's Index. Why, why is that report important for everyone, not just women, to be engaging in content like that? Because I think it becomes a, as we've just said, the the, the topic becomes a modi really quickly, mm-hmm. and it and it becomes about opinions. And I think quite often a lot of women, as a result of that, will step back from. Now you've already said that you would naturally want feel like you want to step back from that tussle of yes. discussion, yep. particularly if it got a bit willing, mm. and maybe not appropriate, the fact that um, it does become that way, then there's really no basis of fact to fall back on, is there? You know, it becomes just two opinions going head to head. Mm. And so I do like the report for that reason because it's factual and there's stats that you can actually, and we're financial people and analytical people, so we can actually sit in the, in the problem itself read the report understand what they're analyze what they've analyzed and the the dynamic that sits within each of those six or seven areas because the more that you read the report each quarter the more that you start understanding the various levers that are, are being pulled or things that could be done to to shape different things and, and then I, I think what is the bigger problem understanding the problem and understanding you know what are some of the things that might need to occur to to improve the problem and so that that's all because i think otherwise it's just equality is just a massive ocean mm. of millions of problems but you know we're only just with that financy report um what i would love what bianca's done there bianca actually hazelman Who's, who creates it and then she's got such a great team that produces it is that they've just narrowed it down to those six key areas and, and understanding the drivers and understanding the metrics. And that just gives us at least something we can go and work on. It's very inspiring to know that you would spend so much time engaging in a report where, like you said, um, the financing team have worked really hard on because they are trying to move the dial. You know, you can't have this change just with, with women um, themselves. That's why you've always been very fascinating to me is that you're joining this rather voluntary, <laughs> a voluntary basis yeah. <laughs> um, to help drive the change. It's really impactful when when other, I, I think, if I think about how maybe women relate and we say we can only, uh, we can be who we can see. Do you think that kind of works for men as well, that if, if they see that role modeling, um, that it just gives someone else who's younger, something to aim for? Well, I guess that's, you know, when you say, when I said earlier, you're in this sort of window where you can try and influence, mm. I guess you, yeah, it's saying that is that there's there's younger people out there who, and I really do believe that the younger generations anyway are very strong on their values yeah, and more than any generation ever before which I admire about them. Um, and so, yeah, I think they're probably looking for older people who, 
where they can attach those values and say, well, yeah, that looks like a course of action that aligns to my values. So mm -hmm. could I be doing something similar? It's a very accessible report. So not saying that it's a um, going to solve all problems, but it can help. You know, I, I sort of liken this, again, we've said it's a systemized problem, to something like in our everyday world, what's something that we do each of us mm. every day around the environment and climate change, we're all putting stuff in recycling bins yes. and saving our plastic. So we, none of us can solve this individually. Yes. All we can do is look at our own sphere and try and start doing the right thing. So if we're not even understanding the problem, how can we go and work out what small actions we can take? Well said, Tim, well said. You know, and it's been 12 months since we last did this recording. What are you most proud of for you and your team achieving together? I would say through those COVID years, you know, we were all forced to just go, particularly here in Victoria, we were locked down a few times for long periods of time. And, every, you know, we really just had to have conversations with our staff saying, well, what do you need? How, you know, knowing the age of their kids, mm. some people were heavily impacted some people weren't you know like helping work have those discussions with them about what do they need um, and if we can help them manage their lives then they're going to turn up for work or be able to turn up to their computer at home mm. uh, and work and do the work with us so I think some of the things is uh, having those conversations you know on a really low Hanging fruit was we, we've now implemented and, and paying parental leave, mm. uh, sorry, super on parental leave, and we've just got that as a policy now, which I think a lot of businesses could could do. It's probably going to, let's hope it gets legislated anyway. Yeah. But I think that more than anything, even for, you know, we, we talked about influencing other advisors, uh, you are also hopefully influencing people within your own business. One, uh, the women in the business to feel like, okay, well, if I've got a leader in here that embraces this stuff, well, there's certainly an open door to having discussions. If there's things that pertain to me, that mm. um, I'm going to put those on the table. And also the males in this business to see that and say, well, this is how we we roll in here. So at least you're shaping the people within your own business. And then I think from a, the point of view of, you know, we've got one one other advisor in the business who's also male, that we having these discussions about, you know, how does that then roll out to strategies, which mm -hmm. we talked about last time to yeah. interact with our clients. And then I think it, with all of that sitting there, it's also then how do we, treat our own uh, client base and the females within that client base. Mm. So it's all an extension. It's all interactive. It's all intertwined. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, if it goes through in one area of your life, rarely does it not flow through. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, that's right. Yeah. There's, yeah. And the work you're doing here does, of course, you know, benefit your clients and your team, but also your team and clients probably inspire you to continue yeah. doing this work further. You know, as, and as much as we look back for the, the last 12 months. It's also quite exciting to look at the next 12 months um, because I'm sure we'll be doing a, a fourth episode <laughs> next year, Tim. 
I feel like this is my performance review each year. I need to get some progress. Yeah, I know. We're going to keep, we're going to keep you honest. That's right. You're a champion, champion for us. (laughs) (laughs) If you imagine yourself in 12 months time, looking back, you know, what would, what would you feel you would have been really happy to have achieved in this time? Um, One of the things that I do want to do this year Mm. um, and I think Finance is going to help us do this because they're relaunching something called their Finance Impactor software, which any business will be able to subscribe to. Mm. It's a way to measure yourself in that diversity, equality and inclusion piece. Um, I've got no doubt that there's areas that we haven't been able to measure. And one of those is probably education. Now, education is a key driver here and we've had discussions around more around the unpaid work component with our Mm. staff and ticking off some easy things, as I mentioned, like the paid um, parental Mm. or the super on paid parental leave, but having more conversations about education with our staff and and that sort of thing. So it would be interesting to see what comes out of that benchmarking and there will be areas that, yeah, we'll have to say, well, well, that's not high enough. We we Mm. need to focus in that area. And so that'll be a good tool for us. But um, yeah. it'll be starting to talk about those areas. Yeah, I've seen the Impactor um, software. We are on the pilot as well. And I yeah. must say that when I looked at it, I just went, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of questions. There's a lot of questions. And it just yeah. felt like, wow, there's so many areas that you could focus on, I think, more um, in a way that you can measure. I think yeah. it's one thing to have the belief that you want to do something, but I think when you have to start putting into something you measure, a lot of people don't know how to measure it. Like they know, I mean, to take it from values to action, I think can be difficult. Yeah, um, it can be but, for sure. Yeah, but it provides that first step, I felt, without actually shaming you because I know the results are only published of the top 10, right? So yeah. it's the incentive to to really do well. But as a business, you can see whether you've progressed from the year before um, in different areas or you can choose like your strategy, right? It's a really great you know, software to use for the, you know, diversity and inclusion yeah. purposes. Uh, but it does remind you how much more can be done. Oh, well, that's it. And I think it's an overwhelming, can be an overwhelming metric. So that's, again, mm. why it's great to have these different metrics in different categories because you can choose to say, okay, look, we can't solve them all in one go. We can try and improve in all slowly or we can deal with some easy ones straight away mm. and improve in, really quickly. But then some of these that are going to take more of a discussion and interaction with people or staff or the way we do things, you know, we'll focus on that for this next 12 months. And and then in 12 months' time, then we'll review that, benchmark that, and then if we need to choose a different topic. Uh, it's just an evolution. I think that's the thing with um, it, it is a can of worms in some ways. So I, I, that's why I think if we go back to the simple narrative of having the black and white, <laughs> where do I, yeah. it's like the there's no black and white there. It's a it's a huge grey can of worms. So it's it's being prepared to step into that grey area and say, mm-hmm. well, what will we tackle? You're very aware. I think finance index as well. So it's one of the biggest drivers of um, the gender gap economically is unpaid work, right? Time off, uncaring yeah. duty. So is that sort of why you tackle 
the super guarantee on parental leave payments first? One, it's an easy one. Mm. You can say, well, let's just plug that problem because that, that's an oversight. But the the whole super thing really is a symptom. If we were just to look at it as a, as a and just segregate that whole superannuation component, yeah. what we're really saying is the person that stays at home and does that great role for society, raising kids, you get zero yeah. and in the super bucket and the person who chooses to go and earn the money and play less of that role, um, you get rewarded with superannuation. So it's, yeah. Yeah. it's a pretty brutal, um, if you just analyse it like that, it's really saying, well, you get no reward for that type of work. Yeah. Other than feeling like you raised some good kids and and help support one and one of you to go and earn, earn yeah. some money. Just even having that conversation with clients to say, would you pre- be prepared or are you interested in equalizing the payments into super each year whilst you're going through this? Because really you're both working as a team, it's just yeah. that one's bringing in the money and one's doing this unpaid work. Most couples would say yes. Mm. We're, that's what we're finding. So if we can deliver on that and help them, it probably helps them also see that dynamic too. I love utilizing the power of superannuation, but I feel very sad that the reality of it is that it it, it is very clear how women are valued in society. Yeah. If we just look at superannuation balances, if we want to look at a number <laughs> that relates how society sees our value. That's it. It's it's yeah. a, it's a very sad reality. Um, and you know the figures around women becoming homeless um, in their older years, and it's really hard to turn that back. We know that the theme is cracking the code. UN Australia's theme for International Women's Day, and it's about using you know innovation to challenge some you know the systematic bias. Be able to bring education in. You know you talked about education. You talked about all those things. Um, if you had a simple International Women's Day wish. My wish probably is um, that it evolves. From, like I'm going to sit in the right on the males side here mm. and say, rather than, and even you can sense when when we had started this, you know, that nervousness of being labelled on something or trying mm. to be something that seen as a champion or something champion, like that. Ally. And so I think that can be a challenge for males. It's like. You know, am I going to start talking to people about areas of which I, it's like a male talking to someone about childbirth. It's like, well, got no qualification. So um, how can you do that? But it's more that it, it, this evolves from a male's point of view, just, you know, even the good males in there who want would love to make an impact. It's rather than just showing gratitude for the females in our workplace or the females in our life and saying, aren't we lucky to have you, um, just actually saying, well, what could we be doing to try and – there's huge statistically big problems out there. What role can I play? What small action can I take? So thinking of it more of, a, of an action and actually potentially still having a problem sitting on the table on International Women's Day – rather than everyone patting themselves on the back and saying, well, I love you, it's great to have you, we're, we're really grateful, Yeah. Um, and we all walk out of there and no change. Yeah. 
And so it's not to dismiss the things like coffee, cakes, yep, yep. champagne and all that sort of thing because you celebrate women and who, who you are and all that sort of thing. But what change that comes out of that is is probably the thing. Yep. Um, well said, Tim. Well said. It's, it's about action. Yeah. So as, as much as uh, we will kumbaya together International Women's Day, <laughs> let's remember that it's really about change. And I'm honestly, I'm, I'm so grateful that you take the time to come in here. Now third year, we'll keep on yes. doing this. Um, well, good and- on you for c- continuing to do it because you've got a huge passion for it and I can't help but um, be dragged with that. <laughs> and um, in some ways, I would say, Dawn, that um, some of the discussion we've had over the years, if we went back two or three years ago and we were sharing some of these, some of the evolution in what we have done has probably been or inspired by you a little bit in that you've kept oh. sort of saying, well, yeah, that's that's great what, what you're doing <laughs> rather than that's right. So it's good. I like it. It's okay. Well, you, so, you'll always be our champion, our, our warrior for equality, as much as you're not going to say it yourself. Uh, thank you so much for being on this year's International Women's Day episode for Your Money Story. Oh, thanks, Dawn. Subscribe now to be notified of new episodes. Let's change how the story ends. The information discussed in this episode includes strategies that are general in nature. As everyone's situation is different, and the information discussed does not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs, you should always seek personal advice in regards to your own personal circumstances.